Hang in there, idiot. Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. Welcome back to another episode of The Smiley Show. I've been looking forward to this episode for quite some time. Today's guest is a star in the making who had an incredible run in 2023. He began the year in college and ended it with two professional wins, in addition to being a key component of the Team Europe side that triumphed in Rome. Let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Ludwig Aubert. Welcome Ludwig Aubert to the Smiley Show and resume kind of speaks for itself here, Ludwig. I mean, winning on the DP World Tour, the PGA Tour, and then already playing in the Ryder Cup really before even playing in a major championship. I know it's been a long year and, you know, I saw you at the RSM right after you had won and I'd found out you were just about to drive from Texas all the way (laughs) to your new home, which will be in Mm -hmm. Tallahassee, Florida. I want to know about that car drive. Yeah. Was it was it a, as long as it sounds like it was? What did you do? Yeah, it was long. So we uh, we were kind of debating what to do because obviously I had a bunch of stuff in, in Lubbock that I wanted to bring to Tallahassee, and um, and and I brought my my girlfriend came with me as well, Olivia. And uh, basically, what we did, we just sat there and talked. Honestly, like I feel like it's it's pretty it's a pretty good grade though, because we're still dating and and we're still yeah. friends. So I think that was the main thing that we didn't have any fallouts. And um, but yeah, we drove like I think the first eight hours we were still in Texas, which in my eyes and oh my, my ears are like nuts. And then we stopped somewhere in Louisiana for the night, and then another nine hours or something like that to get to Tallahassee. It so was it was like 17 though. hours? It was 17 hours, yeah. I, tell I would you recommend what, that it. That means you probably listen to every Smiley Show episode then, the entire yeah, way. Is that I, true? I finished Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> so um, no podcasts, any music? I mean, we had um, Victor Havan on, yeah. and he's he's like a big metalhead. We all weren't just... Well, no, now, we hopefully not that's not that. a Scandinavian thing. I'd drive off the road if I listened to that. Um <laughs> But uh, no, we tried. We actually tried a few podcasts. Um, kind of got sleepy and just did music and, and talking and a bunch of like phone calls and yeah. FaceTimes and kind of make the time run a little bit faster. But it wasn't. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. But I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, we were going to try to squeeze this interview during that uh, yeah, long car drive, and, and, I, and, I was, <laughs> and I was thinking in my head that, yeah, all right, he's driving from Lubbock to Tallahassee. I think yeah. that might be a little spotty on uh, on the old cell service on that drive, mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll push Texas, back. And, Texas and, isn't ideal for, <laughs> no, for cell hey, service. <laughs> and neither, neither is Louisiana, where I went to school at LSU, and I sure. tell you what, we we have you joining this morning from England. It's seven a.m. here in Birmingham. It's just after one o'clock over there in England. And uh, but but before we finish on that little topic in Tallahassee, I mean, there's, I mean, Ludwig, you could w- live anywhere in the world, and you pick Tallahassee. Why is that? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I felt like I've gotten that question quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. But no, I mean, for me, the most important thing uh, whenever I was looking at places to live. Obviously, I think ideally, I would have loved to stay in Lubbock, Texas, but just for travel purposes, it's not the best. Uh, mm-hmm. A bit inconvenient to, to go back and forth, especially now when the weather gets a little bit cooler. So um, so the most important thing for me was to kind of keep that social um, 
I guess, network that I had in college. Um, and, you know, Vincent, one of my better friends, he called me up and asked me if I wanted to live with him. And I said, yes, it's, you know, it gives me someone to hang out with not only on right. the golf course, but off the golf course. And we travel and stay together a lot at tournaments as well anyway. So, mm. um, and I know his girlfriend quite well as well from junior golf. So, um, so for me, it was a, it was a no brainer. I thought it was great. And the golf course is, is amazing. Uh, Florida state golf course. So it's, uh, I think it'll turn out quite nicely. Is he trying to turn you into a Seminole as well? <laughs> Funny enough, my first weekend was when they played the ACC game against Louisville, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, so I watched it. I was staying with, with some of his friends, and we watched it. And it was hard to watch. It was a tough game. Hey, I was about to and say, that was not like the, the, no, it was <laughs> the best game to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously day after news broke that they didn't make the playoffs, and everyone was pissed. And I don't know. I was trying to be indifferent. <laughs> They're going to start blaming you for moving into town for, I guess, for, for the yeah, Florida State Seminoles not making the playoff. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So let's talk about just you growing up in Sweden because I, I read a fantastic mm-hmm. article on The Independent just to kind of about charted your career a little bit because I think I'm very familiar with your Texas tech background and just Mm -hmm. what we've seen over the last year on the PGA tour, DP world tour, but growing up in Sweden and I I know the weather probably wasn't fantastic for a junior golfer growing up, but when Mm -hmm. did you really start getting into the game? Yeah. Yeah. That's a very fair statement. Say that the weather wasn't (laughs) ideal, (laughs) but uh, no, I mean, my dad plays golf. He brought me to the course when I was young. Um, I mean, I've seen pictures when I was very small, three, four, five. Okay. Um, but I never really, I never really liked it. I don't know why. Um, I played football or soccer was my main sport when I grew up, and that's what I wanted to do, and that's what I, you know, spend my hours doing up until I was maybe twelve, thirteen, um, and then. I think as I got older, I really enjoyed, you know, the summertime was great for golf. Um, football season was over. We played golf in the summertime and we literally went to the course in the morning and then got picked up at night when it got dark. So that was basically how I spent my summers. And then the mm. winter and spring and fall was, was other sports. So, um, and then obviously, you know, as I got older, I liked to compete a little bit more. And I think I played my first tournament when I was maybe 13 in golf. So some say that's quite late. I don't know. Yeah, um, I was about to say it is. I mean, a little bit in this day and age. I mean, I, yeah, um, they got junior golfers playing at six, seven, eight years old over here. I now. know. To me, that's nuts. But yeah, still. <laughs> um, so yeah, I started playing. I mean, I quit football when I was starting high school. So when I was sixteen, I moved up uh, to a city about forty-five minutes away from my hometown, um, mm. which is like a golf program academy thing. Um, so that's where I met my swing coach, Hans. Um, that's where anytime I come back home to Sweden, that's where I go to practice still. Okay. Um, they have a pretty good, uh, or they have a really good indoor facility. Um, the golf course is really nice where we played and practice that. And, um, and I think that's when it really leveled up. Um, right. You know, I obviously learned a, little, a lot more about golf in general and knowledge and all those kind of things and started competing on a little bit higher level, yeah. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, I guess it was a boarding school, and uh, I still have mm-hmm. the name of it. Phil. All right, let me try to pronounce it and see how I do. Yes, it's <laughs> Phil Philborn Escolan. 
Phil Boris Skolan. Yeah, that wasn't terrible. Field ball was good. Okay. Uh, oh, say it again. <laughs> Field ball was good, which is the school. Okay. Uh, the high school. Just yeah. off. So they do a bunch of uh, different sports as well. So I went to class with like football players and swimmers and basketball oh, man. and handball and like. So it was a pretty cool dynamic in school to go to um just from like an athlete's standpoint i guess okay and before you got there and you you kind of mentioned um playing football and and here in the states we obviously call it soccer right how good were you at at soccer was that mm, a dream of yours I mean, or were, when did when did like golf become the okay i want to do this professionally and this is what i'm going uh -huh. to go to the boarding school to try to achieve because i imagine at an early age over in europe yeah. it's like if you're good enough in, in soccer, you probably have to commit to it at a pretty early yeah. age if you're going to play at the I club mean, level. I was never like national team level. No, um, I played for a few like district games and, mm -hmm. and camps and meetings, but it was never like it wasn't right. anything serious like that. Um, I just enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I can still play um, and I play every now and then with my friends and stuff back home, but it wasn't like – Oh, he's, you know, <laughs> unbelievable. No. Well, what, was, what position did you play? Because you're a tall guy. I mean, I imagine you could have played. Yeah. I don't um, know if you were tall so, back then. Yeah, so we were just saying that um, Steven Jarrett was my big guy growing up, and that's why how I got into Liverpool. So I basically wanted to be him. Um, so I played central midfielder like he did and um, just wanted to do everything that he did. That's, that's a lot of running at central midfield. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit was. too much that's for me. That's why I I'm much more. <laughs> I'm much more of the, the 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 forward role where you just throw it up there and I'll go get it. And, nice, nice. Uh, well, man, that's a lot of fun. I mean, I grew up playing soccer or just different sports as well. I think it helps mm. shape an athlete at an early age to be I able think to so. decide for themselves. And and yeah, this school—it's a boarding school, correct? That mm -hmm. you went to. So yeah, this was, I guess. I mean, to to compare it to something in the states, I mean, this would be like going to an IMG academy. It's a basically a prep school for mm -hmm. college is that is that a good way of describing um, what the school was about preparing I, young I think athletes? so yeah I think so um because you know every when you start high school I think you're 15 in Sweden normally you do three years um so so I just went to the school and it was 45 minutes away we stayed in dorms basically um similar to college and um took classes like normal but we just had like more time for for our specific sport um so we did golf obviously and, and other kids did other sports as well um but no i think it, it would be similar to uh to like an academy something like that yeah and that's i was about to ask that it's like what what would a full day look like what time would y'all wake up to when you went to bed i, I just want to know um, what the schedule was like yeah so boarding school like this if i remember correctly it was a couple of years ago my memory's not great but i think so we woke up we had practice eight to ten golf golf or mm -hmm. gym eight to ten and then we would have class 10 to lunch and then lunch and then class from like two to three or one to three and then we would have golf from like three to six, something like that. That's my type of school. <laughs> <laughs> so it's honestly like the, the setup is very similar to college to where you would like have workouts in the morning and then you go to class and then you come back to, to practice more. So for me, it was like perfect going into college because 
that whole setup and routines and whatnot. I've already done that for a couple of years. So, um, so I really, um, I really liked it. And, and was it, so you kind of mentioned you met your swing coach during this time Mm -hmm. at, at, at school. And is this when, like during this time at, at, at school, is this when you really started to develop to where mm-hmm. you started playing more um, amateur junior golf tournaments, whether it was around Europe? Did you, did you ever play in the mm-hmm. States at that age or was it mainly um, just... I did, yeah. So exactly like you said, I got better. Um, I think I understood more about golf in general, like, you know, just golf knowledge uh, and obviously more about myself. And it was the first time where I really practiced because I hadn't really practiced up until then. Like I would, anytime I would go to the golf course, I'd go play because yeah. that's what I like to do. And then all of a sudden I got thrown into this academy where you're like, oh, practice, practice, practice a lot more. And it was good for me. Um, it was really good for me because I kind of laid the foundation. I remember my first couple of winters, the off season was obviously a couple of months and we did some, a lot of like technique stuff. Um, my first couple of winters and, which I think looking back now was really good because it kind of laid a foundation. Um, and then I think my, it must've been my second year when I was at that school where I got accepted into the national team, which is a different, I guess, organization. Um, so the national team supports, you know, we, we go on trips when it's cold and we go on to play tournaments, um, all over Europe and we even went to like South Africa and Japan and like we went all over the place. Um, and then as you, you know, play better and play better, we got invited to these like HAGA events in America and came over. I played a few of those. Um, I guess it kind of just got more and more and more and and then, uh, yeah, got ready for college. And is that where you were discovered? Were you discovered by Greg Sands at, in the States when you were playing an AJGA event? Or did he actually um, see you over in Europe playing at something? So he saw me play the British Boys oh, wow. in 2017, I think. So that, I remember that was the first time I saw him. Uh, we, we couldn't talk to each other because of all the NCAA rules and stuff. Um, and I think that's when he started to recruit me, I guess. Um and at the time when I was recruited, we had a few Swedish guys on the team. Um, okay. We had a Norwegian assistant coach at the time. So I think all those that things kind of went yeah. together. Yeah. Anybody else recruited you? Um, yeah, I was. So basically, I got it down to either Texas Tech or Arizona State. Those were my two um, options. I really loved Arizona. I loved Tempe. I thought it was great. Um, but at the end, I went with uh, Tech, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. But I, I imagine I don't know if you. I, I assume you probably took a, an official visit, but if you didn't, mm-hmm. showing up from, from Sweden <laughs> all the way in yeah. Texas, I can't yeah. imagine the just the image of oh wow, I I had a little different picture in my head of of what this was going yeah. to look like, and I've never been to Lubbock, but I've just been told what what West Texas mm-hmm. is like, and it's, it's yeah. It, it's a little different uh, landscape in Sweden. It's a little bit different. Too. Oh, it was. My favorite joke about Lubbock is that you can watch your wife and kids run away for three days because it's so flat. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite one. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, for me, coming from Sweden, obviously, it was very, very different. I remember we went in like November, early November or something like that. Obviously, it was cold in Sweden at the time. So I came there and I had shorts on. I thought it was the best thing ever. Even though, you know, it was, for me, it was great. Like, I loved it. Yeah. Um, 
but uh but yeah it was very different <laughs> i imagine and what about just going to a, a texas tech football game versus i assume you probably went to some liverpool football games i mean describe mm-hmm. the difference in the atmospheres in a in a american yeah. football versus a european football it's game. very uh i loved it i i mean i love any kind of sport live sport especially where you can go watch and feel the atmosphere and i remember we went to a game on my visit um and at the time i had no clue how football worked or american football i didn't know the rules and like why are they stopping what's with the timeouts and um so i need to have that all explained to me but it was really cool atmosphere um you can definitely you know feel the support from the school and all the students and everyone is so involved which i love um but it was just i mean it's a weird experience um and i bet for you like lsu must have been unbelievable as well oh yeah Um, i mean it'd be similar to like i I grew up watching lsu since i was a little kid so it'd be like if if liverpool was a college football team it'd be like you going (laughs) to school with liverpool that that's what the experience was like for me you just when you when you uh live and breathe uh, a, a team growing up it, and yeah. you get to go to school there. It's always a, a special experience. That's that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, just talk a little bit more about just your golf experience at Texas Tech. I mean, we talked about the development that you had at the mm-hmm. junior level and you get to Texas Tech and you ha- you won the Ben Hogan Award twice, which I think, is it John Rahm's the only other guy that's done that? Like, are y'all the two only mm-hmm. guys that have done that? So you're already in great company there. Where, what did you find out about yourself or what did you learn about your golf game mm-hmm. while you were in school that, that translated to the pro game? Was it something you learned from Greg Sands? Is it just mm-hmm. how you, your strategy? Uh, just kind of walk me through that. I think, I think it was a little bit of a mix of everything. Um, for me, coming over to college – obviously taught me a lot in terms of maturity um obviously right. i didn't have my mom tapping on my shoulder to do homework and go shower and all do all these things i had to do you know yourself which i think is great for everyone going to college um and you know it teaches you how to be responsible and take care of your training and practice and all these stuff um so i think from that you know i used to be so all over the place like time management was awful i would double book myself i had to be at three places at the same time and all these things i just kind of adds up together um, so i had to you know i learned that in college um that i got <laughs> yeah i mean i, I was unbelievable at, uh, i mean at one point um so i got a lot better at that and then in terms of the golf game i think just being exposed to difficult courses playing a tough schedule um experience different grass like all these things um learn how to play different shots and playing against better players. Um, Mm -hmm. I think just being in an environment where I remember my first couple of years, Sandy Scott was there at at my school at tech and he was a top five player in the world at the time. And, you know, we hung out a lot and played together. And I think just being around really good players makes you a better player. Um, and, And just asking things, you know, what do you do here? What do you do here? When everything shows up here and then, I think obviously Coach Sands is has been had a great influence on me in college. He 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 kind of let me do what I wanted to do. He gave me the freedom to do that, and he trusted me. And I think that meant a lot to me that I felt that trust from from a very you know successful and respected coach. And um, 
you know, I think he, he brought a lot of the, a little bit of the like mental piece to, to my game yeah. as well, where, you know, he, he, he saw what kind of player I was, but I don't think I saw myself. Um, so he would, you know, help me speed up the process a little bit in terms of, dude, you can go win any tournament you want. Um, okay. And, and I think he helped me in terms of that, in terms of understanding and realization that, you know, you can actually go play and, and compete against a lot of good players. Well, that's so interesting. So, so he, did he more so instill a, a belief in the U that you could win? I think so. Is there something that was happening on the golf course earlier in your career at Texas Tech mm. where maybe it was like a, a, a mental mishap where you just would lose focus? Was there anything that he picked um, up on? Yeah, on I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Um, I feel like, because I mean, my freshman year was whenever COVID happened, but before COVID happened, I remember I played a few tournaments in the fall and I didn't play very well. Uh, I was kind of struggling and, you know, we spoke about it and, and I think we talked about just, it's okay to be a little bit uncomfortable at times. And obviously moving across the world to a new setting, a new school, culture, language, whatever, and just be okay with that. Like it's going to take a little bit of time to get adjusted and, and get used to all these things. And, um, and then, yeah, he walked with me a lot, I think my sophomore and, and junior year. And, you know, I think just having that experience next to me, mm-hmm. having that, um, in terms of decisions, in terms of, you know, in between shots, you would talk about anything else that is not golf related. And then, yeah. you know, once you get to the, to the ball, you, you know, you, you obviously talk about that. So I think it was just a lot of comfort. Um, obviously you know, he is one of the most successful coaches that I've ever been around. So, um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was a cool, cool dynamic for sure. I, I read that he suggested <coughs> that your senior year, he wanted you to hit driver more often than not and mm-hmm. not to be too concerned about the accuracy because your distance was such a strength in your game. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we spoke about it and, and, you know, for me, because, I am good with my driver. I think he he picked up he picked up on that quicker than I did, and you know he would told me like, dude, just fucking hit it. And then sure, if you hit one out of ten in the water, that's fine because the other eight or nine is going to be fine that you're going to gain on that in the long term. Um, so you know we obviously go through a game plan, and he would be okay with me hitting driver on most places where maybe other guys wouldn't do it or etc. So um, I think that's something I'm still trying to do. That's something that I still like to do. Um, and I think it's a good, it's a good thing in today's golf as well to do. Oh, hundred percent. Definitely gives you a statistical advantage over a lot of different players. But, um, as we kind of talk about, um, Texas tech and there's not many college players have had the experience that you've had just when discussing the, the new PGA tour U program, I think, Mm -hmm that is such an added bonus for a college player to be able to look forward to something, to set goals of like, Hey, I want to get this because this can get me onto the PGA tour. Was that for you? The ultimate goal was like, I want to be number one on the PGA Mm -hmm. tour points list. I want to have my PGA tour card. Or was it something that you just went and played and just let the results kind of come as they did? Um, No, definitely. I think, I think they announced the the PGA Tour rule because that wasn't a thing. No, yeah. Uh, up until my senior year, I think when they announced it, it was in the fall sometime. And in the fall of your senior out, year, 
I think so. I think that's when they said, you know. So you're like, let's go. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> come on. Um, so when I saw that, obviously, you know, that's such a big nugget and such a big carrot that, you know, you can't deny it. And it's, it yeah. has such a big impact on, you know, your, your rest of the um, – after you, you get done playing for the school. So that's something that we definitely worked on. And I think, you know, we spoke about it so much during the spring, obviously – you know, there, I, I think I had a pretty big lead over the winter break or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, but I still had to, you know, go out and play really good golf because obviously the guys behind me were playing good as well. But I think we spoke about it so much that, you know, it, it was almost like it was clear in my head that I wanted to do it. And, 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 you know, I just needed to do what I did. And luckily I played a few tournaments that I played good. And then obviously towards the end of the season, um, it became clearer and clearer that I was going to win. And then, you know, I'll be forever grateful for the PJ2U program. It's done so much for me in my career and it's going to keep doing that for, for guys coming behind right. me as well. Um, and I think it's, I think it's good for the game. I think it's going to make college golf better because all of a sudden there is this straight direct pathway to the PJ tour through college. And it's going to make players come from everywhere across the world. You know, I think, for instance, England and then the UK guys, they don't really go to college that much because mm-hmm. they have so much so good amateur programs. But now it makes a lot more sense to go to college because first off, you play against the best players in the world on the amateur side, and then you can get your tour card, which is like, mm, I'd do that. <laughs> well, as somebody that's been through the program, it, and definitely you've been able to take advantage of getting a PGA Tour card, is there anything you would adjust about the programs? That you're like, I, I don't think they have it quite right yet. Or do you think they've, do you think that program is right where it should be? You know, I think, I think it's going to get better and better. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the more classes that graduates, they're going to learn stuff about, okay, how did it play out if we did this? And how did it play out if we do that? Um, so I think, you know, at the moment, I think it's really good. Um, okay. Obviously, I'm super fortunate to kind of be the first guy to take advantage of it on that scale. Um, and and but yeah, I don't really see a reason to try to change anything unless something really pops up that is obvious. But uh, I think a lot of guys will keep benefiting from it and and obviously yeah. make pro golf better in, at the end of the day too. Well, I just thought that you know some of these guys come up their freshman sophomore years in college and and get it going quick, and that accelerated program is is definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm glad they have that because Gordon Sargent, yeah. he's kind of the next one in line. Got his PGA Tour card, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, he'll be he'll be done in the summer, I think. Yeah, well, it just I think he, he could go back to Vanderbilt for another year if he wants, or he'll be playing on the PGA mm-hmm. Tour with you guys, but. I actually kind of want to watch you two uh, hit drivers just like next to each other. <laughs> oh, he hits it contest. so much further than me there, though. He really? hits it further. Oh, by far, yeah. So he – we played – it seemed like my last year in college, we played like every tournament together. We were paired no, together. Really? I guess that makes and sense, And I yeah. vividly remember at the U.S. Amateur uh, in, uh, in New Jersey, we played together in the stroke play event. At Ridgewood, uh, I was there. Uh, it was the other course, actually. Uh, um, I didn't go to the other course. <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> so nine is a par five. Yeah. And I like heel cut a drive. It's still in the middle of the fairway. And I remember I took out my, my laser and I, and I lasered 60 yards to, to Gordon in front of me. And I go, dude, come on, man. I like half shanked a foreign green side and he like nine iron green two putt birdie. I go, mm, good shot. <laughs> 
Oh man, I, I hope you two are going to be competing against each other for a long time. I hope time so too. Because, I hope uh, so too. Gordon, Gordon's a, a very good friend of mine. I watched him grow up from the, at yeah. the same golf course here in Birmingham. So yeah, that's right. I'd love to watch you two continue to compete against each other. And uh, we kind of just mentioned turning pro, and that's something that you eventually did, as we know. Um, but for when you came out of Texas Tech, you, you have a PGA Tour card. What were the expectations for the rest of the year? Was it just was it just mm-hmm. live out of a suitcase and just try to play as good as golf <laughs> as you could? Is that is that all you can do? Um, right? Yeah, basically. I mean, I remember we said just be okay with play a lot um, and be okay with being a little bit tired at times because at the end of the day, what I what I wanted to do was just improve my status and improve my rankings and you know climb on the world ranking points and the FedEx and by doing that, I just needed to play um, mm-hmm. and and you know I felt like. I could definitely feel like the expectations from others and from media and because I mean being the first guy to take advantage of it like you don't want to screw up like <laughs> I feel like I was kind of representing college golf a little bit and if I play poorly like they're gonna be hmm, is this guy really worth it you know um so for me coming out I was like gosh yeah I need to I need to kind of play well um I mean I didn't think about it you know during the tournaments but it was definitely something that is in the back of my head um but I was so, you know, fortunate and, and happy to play all these events that I've watched for a long time and spend time with some really good players and, and watch them play and compete. And um, and obviously the traveling piece was a big deal that, you know, I hadn't really played that much back to back to back to back weeks and all the learning curves that comes with that. And um, I feel like I learned a lot over this past summer and, and, uh, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's just been really cool. I mean, what were you, was your body the the biggest thing? Just like physically, no, the, just playing. No, it was my, much, it was my just, head. <laughs> really, it was just, my head. Yeah, just like every day, you're just like, man, I'm just exhausted, I mean, or just I slept like I mean, a baby for like three months straight. <laughs> so tired at night. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, I mean, I think I've gotten a lot better at it. But I used to be like golf, golf, golf all the time, all the time, all the time, even when I wasn't mm-hmm. playing. So I had a really hard time like switching off, um, which is difficult when you play that much golf. Because um, <laughs> already there is a lot of golf on the table. And then um, I got better at like switching off, doing other, other things. And um, But yeah, I think after my first, I did like a five-week stretch my first, I, like when I started. And I think after that, I was just knackered. And then I had two weeks off or something like that. And uh, it got a little bit better. And I feel like every every stretch that I do, it's getting a little bit better. Um, right. But yeah, I feel like physically it held up quite nicely. Um, but I think, yeah, mentally it was a little bit difficult. Well, I read as well that Eduardo Molinari, like while you were still at Texas Tech, he called Luke Donald and said, dude, this guy, like, it could be a really nice asset for you. I'm not telling you to pick him now, mm-hmm. but what I am telling you to do is to look out for this guy. Was there ever a point that you ever heard from the European Ryder Cup camp, like, hey, we're, we're keeping an eye on you, or anything early mm-hmm. on while you had turned pro? What, still I think, while... Yeah, I think I, so I played with Dodo Eduardo in uh, Dubai in January when I was in college yeah, because I got an invite through the PGA Tour U program to the Desert Classic 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I came after my Christmas break. I went straight to Dubai and played the tournament. Okay. I think first two rounds we were paired together. Um, I didn't think <laughs> much helped. of it. Yeah, I did. Um, I think I didn't think much of it uh, at the time. I just, you know, for me it was cool to play a tour event. Obviously, Dubai was really awesome. And um, I mean, for me, the Ryder Cup wasn't like, come on, that's not. That's like that's not where I am. <laughs> you're I'm in college. college. At this point. Yeah, like, yeah, you're playing with yeah. Eduardo. So, did you so hear anything else? No, I didn't hear anything up until we played in Detroit together. So I paired with Luke in Detroit that mm. uh, first two rounds. And that's when I kind of realized, like, mm, okay, maybe he wants to keep an eye on me a little bit. But I felt like those two days were nice. Uh, it was good because we kind of got to know each other a little bit better. That was the first time I right. met him. Um, and we spoke about everything and anything. And, and for me, that was pretty cool. Um and then, yeah, I didn't quite hear anything for a couple of weeks. And then I went over and played a few events in Europe. Um, and that's like where it kind of started to really switch for you. Because I, I'm sitting mm-hmm. here looking at all the weeks you played. And, and you played well on the PGA Tour during the summer. But I imagine it was hot. Uh, and you're yeah. playing a ton of golf. But it looks like you had uh, two weeks off before you played the Czech Masters. And I imagine mm-hmm. that reset was probably the reset you needed to get that energy yeah. to go T fourth and then winning at the European Masters. Yeah, definitely. Um I remember after Wyndham I felt like I played decent but didn't score very well. And then um I thought I was gonna have like five weeks off until Napa. <laughs> And then, so when did, uh, when did you make the decision to go play in Europe? Was that just a, a make a, a push towards the Ryder Cup or was that just a basically? Push yeah, because uh, okay. I remember I spoke with Luke and he was like, I'd love for you to go over, uh, play a few more events. Um, and and I go, yeah, captain. <laughs> How high so, do you want me to jump? Okay. Should yeah, okay. exactly. Sure. <laughs> where, where should I go? Um, so, yeah, I went over, played in Prague uh, and then played in Switzerland the week after. Um and you then, win. and then I win. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of felt like whenever I came over to Europe that, okay, I need to play well in these two events yeah. to even be remotely con- close to being considered. Um, and then, yeah, obviously I think after Sunday and, and Kron, he called me on FaceTime and I was like, Whoa. <laughs> so, but when you had tapped in though, when you won the golf tournament, do you feel like that was enough in your head? Do you think it's like, I think I just made the Ryder cup team. Were you still um, on the, I remember, it, yeah, it was, I remember it was a lot of players kind of fighting for a couple spots. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I think Bob played pretty good that week too, to kind of get mm-hmm. an automatic spot. And I played with Nikolai as well. And, um, and we were all kind of like on the bubble, I guess. And I felt like, for me to get a realistic chance, um, I needed to win a tournament. Like I felt like just to be picked, not winning a golf tournament, it didn't feel good for me. Um, yeah. it felt like a little bit adjustable. So, um, I felt I like it felt really good for obviously to get your first professional win is unbelievable, but to do it when I felt like I needed to, that was probably more satisfying if anything. So when Luke Donald FaceTimed you, I can't imagine he was asking about what the Texas Tech football team, uh, <laughs> what they were going to look like next fall. But I mean, what did he say on the phone? Was it just uh, like, hey, you're on the team? Like, is that, was it simple yeah, as that? Or? Basically, I think he called me. I don't exactly remember the conversation, but I think he Black congratulated guy. me to the win. Yeah, I mean, it was a blur. I was cloud nine. 
high on something. Um, and then he called me, congratulated me on the win, and then, yeah, basically said that I was on the team. Dude, that is so cool. And I, yeah. mean, I know the BMW week, you all played together. But before that, you did a scouting trip. I mean, so you yeah. show up there now that had to be really cool to be a part of the scouting trip and just the mm-hmm. to making friendships with um, some of the best players in the world and creating a bond with them, getting to pick mm-hmm. their brains, letting them tell you about the Ryder Cup. You get to see it in Rome, just playing yeah. the golf course and trying to picture what it's going to look like. I mean, that had to be just the most surreal couple weeks for you coming. I mean, just not too long ago, we were in Lubbock, Texas, and now we're <laughs> playing practice rounds with, with yeah. Roy McIlroy, John Rahm, and Victor Hovland, all these guys that are, you know, that been some of the best players in the world. I mean, what, what was that like yeah. for you? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it was, it was nuts. Um, I do remember that trip we did um, the Monday of Wentworth. Um, that was really cool because that was kind of like one of the first times that I met everyone. Um, mm-hmm. And we had dinner and we just chatted and, and we played together as well. I got to play with Victor, Rory, and Tommy. And for me, that was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I just kind of played Wentworth together. I played with Rory and Victor first two rounds. And uh, and then you played well. uh, I played well, which was that was kind of like the first time that I really experienced like a lot of people, mm. major golf course um, playing with those two guys. So I think I took a lot with me from that week as well. Um, even though I didn't, you know, finish the tournament off on Sunday, I still felt like, you know, that was pretty cool. Right. Um, and then an experience, right? Yeah, and, and that's kind of what we said as well. Like this past summer and this past six months, there's been so many first things for me, like so many new experiences. And okay, everything I'm doing is basically I'm doing it for the first time. And yes, you might not succeed the first time, but and that's okay. You just got to learn from it mm-hmm. and be okay with this little, almost when I, when I started college. Like it's it's okay to be a little bit uncomfortable first couple of times and it'll take time basically. Um, and just being okay with that and not, you know, beating myself up too hard if, if things aren't going my way, not going my way. Um, and then, yeah, I think we had one week in between Wentworth and Rome, um, where I stayed in England and then, yeah, came to Rome. Well, we had Jordan Spieth on the, on the show earlier this year, and it was one of my favorite interviews. And as you know, Jordan's a, a very great, great communicator, but he mm-hmm. sometimes says things that, that you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's what cued in your big year. And mm-hmm. we have some sound from him that we're going to play for you talking about his Ryder Cup experience and what that felt like and how that translated to him for major championships moving forward. So we're mm-hmm. going to play that sound right now. It happened to me in 2014 um, as far as just having success in the Ryder Cup and doing it on foreign soil. It felt like I had contended at the Masters and the Players in 2014, and I came mm-hmm. up short. And then at the, after the Ryder Cup, I felt like I found that little extra gear to be able to close stuff out. Um, Interesting. And those felt like the back nine of winning a major every single match. And so when you when you want them, it was like, all right, this doesn't, I didn't do anything different. You know, I just did this a little bit better and it led to, I think it was a, is a massive um, step in the direction that led to my 2015 season. Mm. So it's that, you know, just 
just keep putting yourself on those teams and it does a lot individually for you the next year too. So we just listened to that. I mean, Ludwig just yeah. responding to that. I mean, we, we know that uh, you have not played a major championship yet, but do you think your experience is at the Ryder cup? You already know what that's going to feel like. You kind of mentioned BMWs playing with Rory, seeing those big crowds. Is that kind of the expectation and those emotions? Is that what you expect to feel with those majors? I think so. I think so. I mean, just like Jordan said, I mean, a Ryder Cup is so different from any, you know, sporting golf event that you can think of. It's almost like golf on steroids. And then everything kind of becomes easier after that. I think Mm -hmm. for me, playing the Ryder Cup with everything that comes with it um, definitely helped me because I vividly remember. So I played uh, Rome and then the week after goes to Mississippi and Jackson and we're like, whoa, this is quite, you know, this is quite easy if you yeah. compare to last week. Um, I'm not saying it was easy, but it felt easier at least mm-hmm. um, to, you know, cope with the crowds and people and fans. And it, it was just a new experience for me. And I think I learned a lot from it. Um, I think just putting yourself, like Jordan said, in that environment and, you know, me and Victor, we won a couple of matches and I think that was pretty cool. Uh, and it kind of validated that you know, I can do it. Um, I'm able to, to do that against one of the best players in the world. So I think I took a lot with that from me. Um, and, and hopefully I'll be able to do that over next year and kind of use those experiences to my advantage. And and you talked about you, you had Victor won some matches at the Ryder cup and yes, you did. And I got to watch both of them. I, I was walking the fairways with you guys on Friday and Saturday morning in the foursomes and First off, I want to get your a quick quote from you. Walking off the first green, that had to be the wildest 10 minutes you've ever experienced in your life. You went from hitting yeah. your first shot in the Ryder Cup in the fairway, which you hit it out to a right. You kind of put him in a weird little spot. Yeah. I mean, when he pulled the wedge out and he chipped that in, what is going through your mind? <laughs> well, yes. He, I mean, obviously, he hit the fairway like he always does. And then... I kind of like semi shanked one to the right and I knew there was a ridge and I just, please be sure of that ridge. So it doesn't have to go over that little hump. And then we got up there and it's all the way on the fringe. And obviously I trust him with everything that I have. Like he's one of the best players <laughs> in the world. Point, yeah. So I'm not ever going to question whatever he does. So he pulls a wedge and I go, yeah, good choice. <laughs> um, and then obviously I was like standing behind the green and as he chips it, it just checks up perfectly. And you could tell from 10 feet that was going to go in. Um, but yeah, that kind of, I think that first hole was like, okay, this is, you know, pretty cool. This is very different. And I guess that's what the Ryder Cup is about. Well, I, I can't imagine being in your shoes in that moment, but we I want to put you in my shoes. So I'm behind <laughs> the green trying to call this shot. And yeah. if you were me, yeah. how would you have called that shot? Would you have said um, it's a putt, it's a chip? What would you have said? I think um I think he could hit a putt and get it to maybe five feet. I don't think he would have been able to make it with a putt. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, obviously, Victor so, is, is, you know, high on confidence and <laughs> just won the FedEx Cup. And, you know, he's pretty good at golf. So I think, you know, he can do whatever he wants with a golf ball in the club. But yeah, I understand the, the dilemma in your shoes, definitely. You can imagine what, did what you I say? was going. 
What you, did you say? It, it was not great. It wasn't good at all. I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you this. It wasn't. I, I I looked behind it. and I was like, you know what? Yeah. And here's the thing. Sometimes on the first hole of a golf tournament, it's hard because I didn't get to putt, you know, before the round. Yeah. I didn't putt in the practice rounds. I don't know how fast the greens are uh, specifically, but I, I could right. tell like he could get it somewhat close on the putt. Mm-hmm. And I walked to the back of the green. And next thing you know, like they're coming down to me. And it's like, um, and I, I believe we have the sound if if, <laughs> That's if you want to hear it. Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a tough scene at the end because I'm trying to explain it all. <laughs> back out to the first. We say hello to Smiley Kaufman. Good morning, Terry. Victor Hovland with a wedge. A little surprised he doesn't have the putter out. Very fast downhill after he's going to get over this little slope. So good. <laughs> Pull back to the screen. Oh. <laughs> Look at that. That's why he used the wedge. So you can kind of hear me mumble my way through. It's like, oh, he's got a wedge yeah. out, a little surprised by this, and he's going to be. And like after that, I was like, what is he trying to do? Is he bumping it yeah. into the hill? And uh, oh, But he so makes good. it. I, I just remember because it's uphill walk to that second tee box. And yeah. I'm just sitting here like the crowd is going absolutely nuts. And I'm just thinking to myself, what just happened? Like if I have another <laughs> moment like that, I'm not going to survive a Ryder Cup. My producer is going to be like, like get a call right <laughs> but i really think nobody else would have ever chipped that so i'm glad you agree with me yeah no i could uh i could see both um but yeah a little bit surprised pulled the wedge but obviously turned out pretty good if i could just interject one more time because uh ludwig i'd also love to show you victor's reaction to that clip on our show as well suck it smiley <laughs> <laughs> That was that was his reaction to me telling him he couldn't chip, but here <laughs> I wasn't in that moment. <laughs> Just add a little context there. That's too good. Uh, That's too and, good. And you you two like it was funny because I, I was walking past past you guys on the twelfth hole on Friday, and you two were speaking not English. And I was, and it sh- threw me off so bad because I've only spoken English to Victor and, and I had right. not really met you yet. So I, I didn't even put together that y'all were speaking. Um, I, I imagine y'all's languages were, are fairly similar, same language. What's, what's yeah. going on there? Yeah. So obviously he speaks Norwegian. I speak Swedish, um, but they're very similar. They're kind of like brothers and sisters. Um, and okay. He, uh, you know, I understand Norwegian very, very well. Um, Danish is a lot harder. I can read Danish, but I can't really speak Danish. Mm. Um, but Norwegian is, is easy to understand. Yeah. Well, that definitely had to help you guys on your partnership. And um, we have a little mm-hmm. sound to play. Vic- Victor, when asking about you here at the Ryder Cup, he, he uh, hit some kind words to say just how stoic you were. I'm sure he was nervous. Uh, but that's that's a cool thing with him is that he... He did not show it at all. He is, I mean, he's like Henrik Stenson. He's the new Iceman. Um, he was he was so calm. When you couple his driving long and straight, and then he starts making putts, it's just, it's so much fun to watch. And I was just happy that, I, you know, I, I just thought, I just tried to put the ball in the green and it was, you know, my, my work here is done. <laughs> he did that. He did that very well, I think. <laughs> He does that a well a lot of times. He, <laughs> yeah. When he said that, it was like I was just trying to put in the fairway. I was like, Victor, you do that every time. Shut up. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him miss a fairway. So, 
<laughs> well, no, that's I'm, cool. That's very cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm so obviously we're going to be calling you the Iceman as as we move forward because that's because <laughs> Victor called you that. So that's yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, and and real quick, I um as we move past the Ryder Cup on the 11th green when you win nine and seven against Brooks Kepka and and Scotty Scheffler. I mean, these are two of the probably arguably the best American players that we've seen um, over the mm-hmm. last couple of years and. What do you when you shake their hand on that green? Do you say like enjoyed it? Like like, like, like what do you say? Like it's like dude, I don't even know. Uh, um, like like seriously, um, I don't think I, I wouldn't know what to say. Uh, me neither. Um, sorry, I just remember like last couple, of, <laughs> like we were walking down like nine and ten, and me and Victor like looking at each other like, "What is going on?" Like we're like nine up, <laughs> and and I, I mean, I was obviously expecting a a, a tough match. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, obviously Brooks and Scotty maybe didn't have their best day, um, which you know is what it is. And foursome is a weird format sometimes mm-hmm. where one of them can get thrown off a little bit and, and it's a weird dynamic. Right, um, right, right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. I think I just said thanks and, <laughs> and obviously went over to my parents and Victor and all those guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, thanks for coming cool. out. <laughs> thanks for the long lunch. Cause I was, I, I was trying to keep track that day of, um, like what each team would be relative to par just so I kind of knew who was playing better. And then I started mm. tracking y'all's stats on the 10th hole. I'm thinking like, okay, do they hit the fairway here? Do they hit the green here? I had y'all hitting virtually every fairway and every green to the 11th hole, except the ones that y'all were trying to drive. And mm-hmm. nobody was beating y'all that day because it was machine. Yeah. Like you would put it in the fairway, he did it on the green and you'd make a putt. I, y'all had some yeah, conceded... It was conceded holes here and there, but you could yeah. have been seven under through 11 is what I had you at. Yeah, I, I remember us playing very well, and, and we kind of took advantage of, of the opportunities that we got. Um, and, and like you said, foursome could be a little bit weird at times, but obviously, you know, Victor hits it straight. I hit some fairways here and there, and then a few putts rolled in. So it was, yeah, it was really cool and, and something that I'll definitely never forget. Well... Uh, I bet so. I know you won't be back there in 2025, uh, Beth Page. But as we move on to 2024, you had a uh, recently a, a fairly big change, adding Joe Scobbern to the bag. Um, how excited are you to have Joe on the bag? He's a friend of mine. Um, I think he's very good at what he does. But what mm-hmm. went into that decision to bring Joe on? Yeah, definitely. I think you know because of you know the last 6 months has been unbelievable uh it's been so much fun and jack has done an amazing job um i was very you know clear to tell him that and i was you know um very clear to say that what you've done has helped me so much um but i think for next year all i'm looking for is a, is more experience um mm-hmm. in these bigger tournaments um i wanted something that someone that i can rely on a thousand percent um and i think with you know the the experience in the past that joe has um kind of speaks for itself and i think that's mainly what i'm looking for um you know playing a u.s open where you win at six under it's difficult to get away with mistakes um and that's what i felt like that went into that decision um and you know i feel good about it and you know i was very clear saying to jack that it's nothing personal it's it's you know Mm -hmm. it's a business decision and and you know i 
I'm always going to be a big fan of Jack. Um, so obviously no strings or no hard feelings or anything like that right, from my right, side. Right. It's, um, uh, it's been really cool. Oh, it's, it's never easy. You know, I've been 24, <laughs> 25 years old and having to let go of, um, somebody much older than you, it, it, it's never easy. And, um, it's no, and, and the thing is there's not a good way to do it. There's always going to be some emotions and some, you know, uh, opinions here and there, but, uh, I feel good about it. And, and, you know, yeah. I trust, uh, trust my instincts. Well, great. And that's, and that's the most important thing you're looking out, uh, for what, what's to come in 2024 and that's playing major championship golf. And mm -hmm. what are you most looking forward to about playing in majors? Is there one major in particular, um, or is it just, just playing them all just to see what each experience <laughs> mm -hmm. is going to be like? I think the masters is the one that sticks out to me. Um, you know, obviously, Augusta's. Uh, we were there my freshman year in college and played and hung out. And ever since that day, I've just been in love with it. Like it's so cool, um, such a special place, and and to play that tournament. Obviously, so I'm not a big golf watcher. I don't watch that much golf. Never been, mm -hmm. but the Masters, I've always watched it, um, just because it's so cool. And and obviously, I think for next year, being a part of it, it's going to be uh, unbelievable. I mean, Ludwig, you can be a little more honest with me. If you don't like listening to me on TV, you can just tell it to my face. You know, like if, if you don't like watching golf and, and listen to me yeah. blabber away about you hitting seven irons right at the pin all day, I mean, I'll I'll just start, you know, mixing it up a little bit, trying to mix my delivery up. <laughs> Has nothing to do with you, Smiley. <laughs> I know you're a busy man, and, and, and being in Tallahassee now, are you going to try to make a little scouting trip over to Augusta before? Uh, I think before so. Next April? I, it's not. That I think far away. so. No, it's only a couple hours, three maybe. Um, I think we're gonna have a a weekend or something like that planned up in 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 the spring to go and and see the plays and hang out and something like that. Uh, I haven't been there in four years, so that'll be. I don't think much has changed. Maybe a few tee boxes here and there, but uh, it'll be just be nice to kind of prepare a little bit more and, and then obviously be ready for April. Right, and 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 major championships. We just talked about them, but is there any goals with those? Are you a big goal guy? Like, do you say, I want to, I want to win a major next year? Is that something mm -hmm. that like in mm. your mind you're already thinking about? Or are you just a prepare yeah. every day kind of guy and just, I see you what you mean. I think, I win? think, I think goals are very important. I think it's very, you know, it's necessary to have goals because, you know, it puts you in line with what you want and it's very easy to make decisions based on mm -hmm. that. If you know where you want to go, um, but I also think it's difficult to say, hey, I want to win this specific tournament because I think there's a lot that goes into winning a tournament. I mean, you have to have a, a lot of things go your way. Um, I like to have a long-term and a short-term goal. So a short-term goal would more be like, hey, I want to be – so like in the spring or in the fall, uh, for example, I had I want to be top 50 before New Year's in the world. Um I feel like that's more in my control, what I can do. And, mm -hmm. um, obviously playing well would get me there. Um, mm -hmm. and then, yeah, winning a tournament obviously helps, but, um, ultimately you want to win tournaments, but I feel like if you only focus on winning tournaments, it's easy to forget the little things that you can control. Whereas winning an actual tournament, sure you control it, but not to that extent, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I imagine that that short term, long term goals helps helps keep the picture a little bit more clear as you head into uh, Mm -hmm. another busy 2024, where I'm sure you're going to be living out of a suitcase, traveling in and out of Tallahassee. But uh, before we send you off, we have got to ask you, um, you're you're in England now, you're heading to Sweden next week. It's the holiday seasons. What is the Aubert Christmas tradition versus, you know, I know what we do over here in Birmingham, Alabama is probably a little bit different mm-hmm. than what you experience over in Sweden. What what is uh what is that Christmas yeah. day going to look like for you? I think a little bit different. Well, first off, we don't celebrate Christmas on the 25th. We do the okay. 24th. Right. Um, so that may be a, a bit of a change. <laughs> so the 24th, I don't know. This is weird. It's not weird for us, but it's a tradition that at 3 o'clock on Christmas Eve – there's not a single household in Sweden that is not watching the TV. And there's like a cartoon sketch for an hour with Donald Duck that everyone watches. It's really what? funny. Yeah. Is there a live stream <laughs> on this? I might have to like tune in to see what Probably. this is. So I think it started because my mom would watch it when she was little. And that would be like the only hour a year where they could watch cartoons. So that kind of stuck. And so like the whole wow. family gathers around the TV, watches Donald Duck for an hour at three o'clock. Um, and then, yeah, we would go out. We obviously eat a lot of food. And, and then, what are you eating? What's the food? What's like the a traditional? So in, in, in Sweden, Sweden, a lot of potato, uh, meatballs, sausages, ham, um, fish, like his pickled herring fish things i hate it it's disgusting but <laughs> but a lot of the a lot of people eat that um i keep i'm, I'm by the kids table like <laughs> i i eat whatever the kids are eating so <laughs> i keep it very the chicken easy nuggets all day man but mm, charlie yeah, chicken nuggets you, were in. Like you, you gotta get this your little norwegian fish bit in yeah well it's it's an ongoing bit smiley so thank you for uh kicking it over mm-hmm. to me here this this is what so I'm I'm of Norwegian heritage so I broke this okay. down with with Vic when he was on and we've had this long running tradition where every on Christmas Eve in the days leading up to Christmas Eve my dad gets these yeah. boxes of dried salted cod that we have to soak for numerous days and then you you yeah. boil it it's it's absolutely disgusting <laughs> you like cover it in butter yeah. you put it on a flatbread you try anything you can to, to disguise the taste so. I told Vic about this when he was on. I was like, is, is this – has someone been just pulling an elaborate prank on me for all these years? Like <laughs> this is not an actual Norwegian tradition. He said, not exactly, but we have one that's more disgusting that sounds like what you're talking about, which is I guess rackfisk or something where it's fermented salmon with like yeah. sour cream and onion oh, on a lessa. Yeah, is that is that kind of – is that similar to the, the Swedish thing I'm you're not- describing? I think so. Let me Google real quick. I'm not sure what it's in English, but yes, there is. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting. I don't it, like it. it. I, I do. I produce Annika Sorenstam's show, and she said there's some like a, there's like a pickled herring thing that yeah. is, is Swedish. Yeah. Is that that's kind of what that's we're, the yeah. one? Yeah, and they and they put all these different spices and and you know, it's absolutely disgusting. Um, I don't like it. But a lot, it has to be on the table. Everyone else, it's a civil war, but it's not on the table. All right, well, this is great. So I'll eat my cod, and uh, Vic can have his fermented salmon, and you have your herring, and you know, watch our our, uh, Donald Duck cartoons. Merry Christmas Mm -hmm. to everybody in Scandinavia. So if you ever speak to another Swede, 
if they they're gonna say that as well 100 <laughs> percent. well thanks a lot guys i was you know it's 808 a.m here in birmingham and i was about to go eat breakfast but now all i can think about is this sour cream Pickled. on a Ugh. fish a fermented salmon so Ugh. i think i'm just gonna keep drinking my I'm, coffee but i'm sorry about that well as as uh i mean Ludwig, that was a, a fantastic conversation i feel many people are going to know you much better now um as far as just your upbringing in sweden and just why you are who you are which is one of the best players in the world and i think something that we're going to continue to see uh, have great success and i could tell you i i've been very impressed with your game you're a fantastic player but an even better dude it seems like so i look forward to getting you getting to know you Thank better you. um as we move into 2024 and watching you play some some more high level golf but Enjoy, uh, enjoy Donald Duck, and hopefully we'll, we'll have you on soon because this was uh, too fun not to yeah. do it again. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate uh, you having me on, Smile. It's been uh, it's been cool to to kind of get to know you a little bit more over these last couple of uh, months, and I think you're doing a tremendous job. And and you know, I listen to this podcast; it's really cool, and you keep bringing in pretty good guests. So uh, you, I'm just very Thank fortunate you. to be a part of it. Thank you, man. We'll we'll make sure to have you on again. Uh, hopefully, after we win one of these one of these big events in 2020. Mm, so that'd we'll be, be nice. That'd you. be nice. Thank you. Safe travels to Sweden. Appreciate and, it. Uh, we'll catch you on next time. See you, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you. That's all for today's show. This year in golf has truly been a whirlwind. And it's hard to believe we're already at the end of 2023. We've got one more episode for you dropping next week, and then we're going to take some time off, at least until the next bombshell golf news story drops. Thanks for listening and watching, and we'll see you then. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.